0: This is Always Right Radio, on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France.
3: Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Eight minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're underway on a Friday, a free-for-all Friday that is a very important one. We have a lot of things to talk about. We have have a lot of important people to talk to and, of course, a lot of important opinions of yours to share with this audience. So I cannot wait for you to get in at 216-901-0945 and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Plan your time accordingly. We do have three guests on the, on the uh, docket today. So plan your time. Make sure you hit them where they ain't. Call when the opportunities do arise on this third morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Coming up in a half an hour, Rob Sexton legislative director of the buckeye firearms association going to join us to talk about the laws laws that joe brandon outlined last night in a prime time speech um to essentially remove your rights to the second amendment you will no longer be protected by the second amendment if you are a firearms owner or if you are a gun a gun rights supporter the list of things that biden wants to do it's around eight items long all get in the way of the second amendment so we're going to talk to rob sexton about those things he's the legislative director again at the buckeye firearms association and while we're on the phone with him we're going to talk to him also about the other law the one in ohio the one that is about to be signed into law anyway the bill that was passed i talked about it with jack windsor yesterday it's about to happen mike dewine is going to sign it. it's going to make it easier to put guns in the hands of teachers who are trained not for 30 days but for 24 hours, plus four uh, in another circumstance. Uh, is that going to be enough? Will that protect people? Will that protect children? Will it be enough just to simply, I don't know, deter children, or I beg your pardon, deter killers of children from ever entering the school if they know that there are going to be armed uh, staff members, whether they be teachers or assistant principals or whomever, um, that are going to be there to protect the kids? so is that a strong enough uh, move the hardening of schools is what joe biden doesn't want to do we heard kareen uh, uh, jean uh, uh, paul yester Jean pierre i mean uh, yesterday talking about how uh it's not the, the the president's belief that hardening schools is the answer he doesn't want to make schools more safe he simply wants to take the guns out of the hands of law-abiding gun owners so we're going to talk to him about all of those things at ten ten. dr naomi wolf will be joining us to talk about her book the Bodies of Others, the New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. She was on Dennis yesterday, Prager. And i got to tell you, I was very, very uh, gripped, if you will. It was a gripping interview. It was an hour long uh, by the conversation she held. She is a former leftist, former liberal, if you will, and she, is, um, she has kind of seen the light, particularly because of the tyranny being imposed upon the people by the American left in terms of free speech, In terms of mandatory vaccinations and masking, all of the things that we got used to, uh, because that was the plan of the left from the very beginning. Uh, She said uh, we have to we have to stand on guard against and we have to fight to get our uh, our autonomy and our liberty back. So Dr. Emily Wolf at 1010. Then at 1035, Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, currently a member of the Ohio Elections Commission, is going to weigh in on all of these stories and more. So Rob Sexton, Dr. Naomi Wolf, and Christina Hagan are guests this morning. I look forward to hearing from them. I look forward to hearing from you. We need to dive into what happened last night on primetime television. I didn't catch it until later uh, as uh, I went to the movies for the first time in a very, very long time and saw Top Gun Maverick with my wife on our anniversary at a nice dinner at a nice movie. The movie was great, by the way. Um, I just was, it was just a great, great movie. It was nothing that I could find to really complain about in that movie. It lived up to the hype. Uh, so I had to come home and from the uh, fantasy of the, uh, of the movies to come home to the reality of Joe Brandon attacking our second amendment rights. I watched everything that needed to be watched and I'll share it with you coming up. But first, what do you say we stand as patriots who believe in the second amendment, who believe in the bill of rights, who believe in the whole of the constitution? How about we stand and face our flag? Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in Brandon's authoritarian, almost totalitarian gun grab and assault on your basic rights using fear to drive policy, if you're a believer in that, then this flag means nothing to you. You are exempted from having to pledge your allegiance to it. You are welcome to, but I'm sure you'll feel more comfortable over there on a knee knee, next to your favorite ex quarterback for the rest of us
0: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for
3: all so the default position of the American left when something bad something tragic happens Is always the same thing it's always do something well what do you want us to do just do something that was bad do something it's because the American left and the American leftist thinks with his or her heart and not their brain it's always knee-jerk emotional reactions that drive their decision-making because well they're stupid that's just you know, I hate to be blunt, but it's just it's just, it's the it's a simple matter of they're not smart enough to understand that they have to keep their emotions in check and let their brain do the work here. What is going to be the best way to protect kids? What is going to be the best way to protect kids in schools without putting millions of people in jeopardy because they are no longer able to defend themselves. What is, the, what is the responsible thing to do here? This is a mental exercise. This is an intellectual exercise. This is a common sensible exercise. This is not something that is knee-jerk, reactionary and emotional, but it's what they do. Do something. And so the leftist governor or uh, members of government say, "Yeah, we got to do something. Do something. They want us to do something. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do. Will it make people safer? Not a lick. Will it keep the hands out of gun, uh, out of uh, criminals? keep the guns out of the hands of criminals excuse me, not a chance but will it satisfy the people who think with their hearts instead of their brains who say do something, do something well it just might and that's why you got Brandon last night at both places we spent hours
4: with hundreds of family members who were broken whose lives will never be the same they had one message for all of us do something just do something for God's sake do something. After Columbine, after Sandy Hook, after Charleston, after Orlando, after Las Vegas, after Parkland, nothing has been done. This time that can't be true. This time we we must actually do something. The issue we face is one
3: of conscience and common sense. You can just hear stupidity pouring from this man's nose and, and mouth. I mean, seriously, he's just he's hemorrhaging stupid. How many times are you going to say, just do something? Got to do something. These people want us to do something. The something needs to be to protect the kids, not disarm 150 million law-abiding gun owners. You understand that? The do something cannot be do something that makes things worse. But this is the knee-jerk reactionary Democrat response. This is what they do because they're stupid. And again, I hate to just be as blunt about it, but this is exactly what it is.
4: I know that we can't prevent every tragedy. But here's what I believe we have to do. Here's what the overwhelming majority of American people believe we must do. Here's what the families in Buffalo and Uvalde in Texas told us we must do. We need to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. You're a
3: liar. In addition to bleeding stupid, you're a liar. You are a fountain of misinformation. The overwhelming number of people in this country do not want to ban quote-unquote assault weapons or quote-unquote high-capacity magazines because the overwhelming number of overwhelming. Uh, number of people in this country with opinions on this believe in the Second Amendment. It's not close. And the Second Amendment doesn't say limit the number of rounds. And you want to know why that is the case? Because what does the Second Amendment say? The Second Amendment, Joe Brandon, says that a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free people, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free people and of a free country, the rights to bear arms shall not be infringed. What's a militia for? What was the militia that banded together, armed, armed, that helped us win the revolutionary war what was what was the purpose of the militia that helped us literally form this republic by fighting against the authoritarian state that was the british crown they were armed and they were armed with the best they had the best that was available if we need to arm ourselves now against potentially an authoritarian government either ours or another the American people shouldn't be forced to fight that battle and fight that war these militiamen and women with six-shooter revolvers the American people have a right under the Second Amendment if they need to form a militia to be able to win battles to win freedom, to defend liberty, to defend the Constitution. They don't do it with whatever you decide is an arbitrary number of rounds is the most you should ever need. And that's just from the wording of the Second Amendment about a well-regulated militia, which is very, very important. A lot of people don't understand that. They think that the Second Amendment is arcane, that it's archaic, that it's old, that it doesn't count anymore because it talks about militias, and we don't have militias anymore. The hell we don't. If this government continues to expand its power and suppress and oppress its people, its people may one day need to rise up and reclaim liberty. And they cannot do it without arms, the same type of arms, or at least as close as can be expected, as their oppressors. That's why it was written. And it still applies in the same way today. But aside from that part of it, aside from the need, if uh, the uh, the potential need for rising up and engaging in battle uh, with authoritarian,s with totalitarians, with people who are mean to enslave and oppress us, whether they come from outside of our country or from within inside of our country, then there is the issue of personal self defense. How many rounds are needed to kill a deer? Probably not so many. Joe likes to do that, although the Second Amendment has nothing to do with. Hunting at all, or sports shooting at all. But how many rounds does it take to fight off a pack of home invaders? What if it's two? What if it's two invaders coming into your home in the middle of the night to assault your family, to do horrific things to your family? What if it's four? What if it's six? What if it's a group or a band of wild rioters because of some ridiculous story that's been peddled about police. And this band of wild rioters that is smashing windows and assaulting people in downtown urban areas start moving out to the suburbs. How many? How many rounds should I be allowed to have if I need to protect myself and my family? Two? Four? Six? Does it stop there? What kind of firepower must I be allowed to to have? What kind of firepower are you going to limit me to? This is not what the American people believe. The American people believe in the Second Amendment. The American people, like I said, there's roughly 150 million gun owners. And they want the right to choose their own weapons. And the reason why they should be given that right, and they have been given that right, and why that right exists is because they are law-abiding Americans who are only going to use it for the purpose of defense. You don't make policy for law-abiding people based on the actions of a handful, and it is, yes, a very, very relative handful of people who don't follow the laws or don't use the Second Amendment for good purposes. If I went out and, and grabbed the statistics of the number of vehicular homicides in America every year, The number of vehicular homicides, either through neglect, distracted driving, drunken driving, or intentional murder, premeditated vehicular murder like what we saw in Waukesha, Wisconsin. If I added all of those things up and presented them and said, talk to the families, talk to all of these people, look at the anguish and the pain, and they're saying, do something, do something. The equivalent of what Joe Brandon announced last night would be to what? confiscate automobiles only trained drivers drivers of buses drivers of cabs drivers of other um, uh, uh, transportation uh, public transportation they would be the only ones to be entrusted just like you only want to entrust guns into the hands of the military and the police only trusted government agents should be able to drive vehicles because of the in the irresponsible actions of some drivers Think about the insanity of that. But that's exactly the kind of thing he proposed last night. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we
4: should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21.
3: Strengthened background. Change. Do you think that psycho that shot up Uvalde would have been different at 21 than he, than he is at 18? Do we need to go again and look at the number of psychos who have shot places up and committed mass murders and look at their ages? They all weren't 18. That age from 18 to 21 is not going to change anything. And in particular, if you're going to continue to ask 18-year-olds who join the military to handle assault weapons, as you call them, or weapons of war, then you clearly believe 18-year-olds can do it. The law-abiding, responsible ones. So why are you going to demonize them because of the irresponsible ones? Checks. Enact safe storage law and red flag
4: laws. Repeal the immunity that protects gun manufacturers from liability. Address the mental health crisis, deepening the trauma of gun violence and as a consequence of that violence.
3: These are rational, common sense measures. There is nothing rational or common sense, commonly sensible about anything you just said, you doddering old fountain of lies. And we're not going to stand for your, your misinformation. I will be the minister of truth. I will fact-check every piece of garbage that flows from your disgusting sewer. I will absolutely tell people the truth about the, about the lies that you tell every single day. We'll get it all on tape, and we will make sure everybody knows the reality and the truth and that no one, no one will embrace your idea of do something, just do something, do anything, even if it doesn't help, do something one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven10 I welcome your thoughts always Right radio on am 1420 the answer right back let' get a quick uh, call or two in here before the uh, bottom of the hour break let's go to North Royalton Lori you're on am 1420 the answer good morning go ahead
5: Good morning. Hi. You know, I just wanted to say, uh, I I noticed uh, during the the pandemic that the Giant Eagle in North Royalton made no bones about having an armed North Royalton cop in the the lobby to deter all the people that didn't want to wear masks.
3: Ah, wow. That's a great point. Yeah, they did. And I won't just say there, but uh, generally speaking, yes, there were a lot of businesses that were allowed to be open, including grocery stores, that did have armed officers there in the event that somebody was non-compliant with the, uh, with the unconstitutional masking orders. So they'll protect that, but they won't protect kids and put armed officers in schools.
5: Absolutely, because it's, it's a lot better for them to take away the guns.
3: That is a great, great uh, uh, call. Thank you. I did not understand. Well, I knew it, but I didn't make the connection, and you're right. You're right. It's another example of what they are willing to protect, uh, but rather than kids, uh, including their unconstitutional mandates. Good call from Lori. I, phone lines are full, but I'm going to ask you to be patient. As I noted, I've got some guests coming up. And our next guest is an expert in this field. Uh, he is the legislative director at the Buckeye Firearms Association, Rob Sexton. He'll be joining me after the news on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer.
3: 938 now we continue. AM 1420, The Answer, Always Right Radio is online at alwaysright.us. Alwaysright.us. So Joe Brandon took to the national airwaves last night. Uh, Did not take questions, of course, because that would have just thrown the whole thing into a tizzy. But he made some ridiculous statements that you you always expect to hear from leftists and from those who are opposed to the Second Amendment. Every time there is a tragedy, the same message. Do something. Whatever it is, do something. Don't do nothing. You have to do something, even if the something is A, useless or B, more dangerous. And that's what we got. Joining us now to break this down and analyze what we heard and what the facts are. Separating the facts from the Bidenisms is Rob Sexton. He's the Legislative Director at the Buckeye Firearms Association. Rob, thank you for making the time for us this morning. How are you?
6: I'm doing good, Bob. I'm glad to be with you.
3: Good to have you here. We need uh, we need some facts because I heard enough, uh, enough conjecture and enough uh, rhetoric and enough fear-mongering last night from Joe Brandon, the same thing we've heard from most of the gun control media over the course of the last week or so since that horrific situation in Uvalde. So let me start uh, by by talking about how – Uh, dangerous the guns really are. What I mean by that is statistically. Joe Brandon said this last night as part of his speech and I want you to respond to this.
4: According to new data just released by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, guns are the number one killer of children in the United States of America. The number one killer. More than car accidents. More than cancer. Over the last two decades more school age children have died from guns and on-duty police
3: officers and active-duty military combined. So that's his fear-mongering speech. Kids are being killed by guns more than anything else. Now, I know you guys go to great pains to collect the statistics. Uh, There's an article right now on BuckeyeFirearms.org that says anti-gun press parroting misleading stats and creating outright falsehoods. Are these uh, statistics he just quoted accurate?
6: Well, of course not. You know, and one of the things that the gun crowd always does is they try to slam together different pieces of data to tell a story they want it their way. You know, so for example, a lot of these so-called kids we're talking about are involved in gangland violence in some of our inner cities. You know, when we're talking about kids dying via minor who's involved in, you know, the, the the drug business and that sort of thing. And, and really, you can't compare apples to oranges that way and call it an epidemic of kids getting killed. We've got a much larger epidemic in this country, and that's just, you know, the breakdown of our values. And that has a lot more to do with what's going on with violence than does what firearms somebody chooses.
3: Well, that is such a good point. And, you know, it it is funny how he made a point of saying, I talked to the parents in Buffalo, and I talked to the parents of people in in the relatives of Buffalo and the parents of of the kids who were killed in Uvalde. He didn't mention any of the people that he talked to in Chicago, and and there is a, a Uvalde happening literally every single weekend in that one right. major American city. And, and guess what? 99% of the, of the victims of the fatal gunfire in that city are not assault rifles. They're handguns. Uh, and, and yet he doesn't talk at all about the, the overwhelming number of these kids, as you're talking about, are kids shooting other kids or young people shooting other young people as part of gangs. He never visits there. Why is there no national primetime address to talk about the you know, 13 people that were killed or 13 uh, minors that were killed in Chicago every weekend?
6: Well, and I think that's because, you know, people like him, they don't want to confess that they've lost control of many of our large cities, that law enforcement is, you know, has its hands tied and they're not sure what to do. They don't want to confront those issues. Instead, they want to talk about taking our guns. And I'm sure you saw this this past week, whether whether he meant it or it was a typical Joe Biden gaffe, but he actually confessed he wants to ban nine millimeters. Yeah. So, you know, the, the big concern by gun owners is always whatever they claim, you know that they want much more. So all along, let's ban AR-15s, let's ban so-called assault weapons. But then Joe says the quiet part out loud, you know, when he says, you know, we should get rid of 9 millimeters. also. Of course, the 9 millimeter is the most popular handgun in the entire country. So instead of doing something to crack down on crime, instead of giving our police the tools they need, or putting more officers on the street, this solution, of course, is to go straight to taking guns away.
3: We are talking with uh, Rob Sexton, Legislative Director at the Buckeye Firearms Association. Um, And, you know, of course, what you just said is right. I want to talk about something else that's on the Buckeye Firearms webpage right now, and that is the fallacy as it's worded of universal background checks you know it's one thing that most of the anti-gun crowd uh every time we have a terrible situation like this uses is the one thing all americans can agree on is that is a universal background check and let's just say for a second that that's true that there's an overwhelming number of people say that yeah there should be universal background checks for before for uh purchasing weapons what are they looking for in those background checks rob and number two how helpful is that going to be when you have when when the fact of the matter is is that more guns are stolen um, by criminals uh, than are bought legally? Uh, there's a headline uh, that w- that that uh, was on Newsnet Five or News Five, I should say. The crime behind the crimes: more than two guns are stolen in Cleveland, Ohio, every day. Every day, more than two guns are stolen in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, every day. So you know, how can universal background checks? prevent against gun violence committed by criminals who steal their guns
6: well they won't is the answer to your question uh the first thing i would say is that we have nearly universal background checks right now so when you talk about who gets a background check when you buy a firearm it the only people who avoid a background check is when there is what we would call a personal exchange or a casual exchange a situation where you would, say, give your firearm to your son, or maybe you would sell a firearm to your friend. In that that case, there's not a background check. Every other situation, including the so-called gun show loophole, uh, requires background checks. If you go to a gun show today and you approach one of the vendor booths who sells firearms, you're going to have to go through a background check in order to get that firearm. So we're talking about a very small portion of firearms that do not uh come into someone's hands with a background check and i can't recall the last time i heard that one of those firearms was actually involved in an incident like we're discussing
3: so rob what some people might say is you know they 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 call it the gun show loophole a lot of people uh, point to that a lot of the anti-gun people point to that saying because people can buy and sell or trade guns with people at gun shows without any check whatsoever is that accurate
6: no not at all in fact you go into these gun shows, your firearms dealers are set up with vendor booths, and they, they will take you through a background check for each and every firearm that is purchased there. As I mentioned previously, uh, you know if someone sells a firearm to a friend or someone they know, then that would not require a background check, but every other business transaction does, and that accounts for the vast majority of gun transactions in this country.
3: So do you believe, and, and I want to read something to you from another one of the anti-gunners yesterday. They held this um, uh, hearing before the House Judiciary Committee yesterday. And maybe you saw it, maybe you heard it. Uh, but um, one Democrat um, sat uh, at, the, at the table there and essentially declared, we'll, we'll change the Constitution if that's what we have to do to disarm Americans. This is um, Congresswoman Mondare Jones. Is it, or is this a guy? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a man. I apologize. I don't know the name Mondaire very well as far as the gender, but at any rate, I'm reading it, not hearing it. That's why I don't know. At any rate, this congressperson said, quote, enough is enough, enough of you telling us that the school shootings are a a fact of life when every other country like ours has virtually ended. Enough of you blaming mental illness, then defunding mental health care in this country. Enough of your thoughts and prayers. You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week, and you will not stop us. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it. We will not rest until we have taken the weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. There's a lot of stuff in there, uh, Rob Sexton, Legislative Director for Buckeye Firearms Association. But how do you respond to that?
6: Well, first, it's, it's just terrifying, isn't it, to hear someone talk about trampling the rights established in our Constitution so aggressively. You know, I think anybody who hears that, it really makes it clear what this fight is about. And I think too many Americans forget that the Second Amendment is a civil right. It is a civil right just as much as the First Amendment. In fact, in many ways, it is the amendment that protects the First Amendment. And so it's, uh, it's terrifying to hear this congressperson say that. But what I would say is I don't think most Americans support that kind of rhetoric. And, you know, Buckeye Firearms Association and like-minded organizations across the country will be ready to fight that kind of nonsense.
3: Uh, Mondaire Jones is a male, by the way. My apologies. Again, I did not hear the speech. I just read the comments uh, that I wanted to share with you. The first part of that, though, I want to follow up on, if I might, Rob. He talks about how other countries, other countries that have banned guns and outlawed guns have far lower amounts of gun violence. Uh, and they believe that that of, is, a, is, a, is a great way to live under the heavy-handed authority of a government where you cannot defend yourself against criminals. But... How does the Buckeye Firearms Association feel about those comparisons? What do you know about gun stats and other? Or excuse me, gun violence in uh, in other countries where uh, guns have been confiscated.
6: Well, I think there are two things to remember. The first is, you know, in areas where guns are confiscated and guns are banned, and other violence takes its place, uh, you know, whether it's knives or clubs or or you know other types of homicides still exist. Uh, You know, there are also black market guns, and criminals still have access to guns. So you have a disarmed populace in that situation, unable to defend itself. Uh, I also think it's important to note what government does when it does not have respect for its own people. So, of course, we can always talk about China, where they virtually lock people in their own homes as they're going through the third or fourth or fifth wave of COVID, as we've seen. They're literally locked in their homes. Yeah. Not allowed to leave their home. And so, you know, we have to remember that our founders created the Second Amendment as a counterbalance against tyranny. And, you know, I think Americans have lived affluent for so long that they don't take that threat seriously. But then, of course, this past week, we saw the uh, premier of Canada just announce a wholesale ban on semi automatic firearms, you know, including handguns. And so, I don't think most Americans want to live in a situation where the government simply dictates our entire life, and that's really what's at stake. And then the last thing I would say is this. Given the loss of control that our cities are under right now, with, you know, New York City, you can't go there without the potential of being robbed and mugged, of course, murders, right? Chicago, Baltimore, Los Angeles, you name on these places are absolutely exploding right now. Do we really think that the government could protect us if we all did give up our guns?
3: Not a chance, no. Uh, and you know what? Okay. Uh, the the other element of that is, you know, what if the government is whom we need protection from? Because at the end of the day, that's right. what the Second Amendment was written for. The Second Amendment That's was right. specifically written to empower the people to unite and, and form groups called militias if they need to protect themselves against an overreaching, overpowering, oppressive government. And, uh, you know, it's obviously how this country was born. So people, uh, people need to understand that. Last thing I've got for you, Rob, since you're the legislative director, I want your opinion, if I can get it, on the Ohio law that is, or the Ohio bill, rather, that is about to be signed into law by Mike DeWine. Now, I and many others believe, unlike Joe Biden, that, quote, hardening the school is absolutely what needs to happen here. We put armed security guards or police officers in many, many, many buildings and many, many venues to protect a lot of people uh, every single day in the state of Ohio and around the country, but we won't put them in our schools. So the bill was passed by the House and the Senate to, I believe it was uh, HB 99, the Armed School Security Staff Bill, to uh, make it a little easier for teachers and staffers who volunteer to do so to get trained and um, and carry weapons in school to be able to respond in seconds when when of course seconds matter in the event of a terrible school shooting. You support this bill by uh, uh, that has been passed by I think exclusively Republicans. I don't think any Democrats voted for this bill, and it will be signed by Mike DeWine.
6: Yes, we absolutely support it. In fact, I testified on that bill earlier this week. Um, I, you made a couple things that I think are worth noting. You know, the first thing is school boards have to opt in. Right, So we're, we see in the news, oh, you know, they're, they're forcing schools to be armed. No one's being forced to do anything. If a school board wants to take advantage of this program, they're able to. And then if they do, their teachers or other staff are not forced to participate. But for those who would like to give us a fighting chance, right? So if your kids were in that school and something like this, God forbid, happened. Would you rather your child's teacher be cowering in a corner over top of your kids, or would you rather that they had a fighting chance to actually live? And that's what this bill is about. And so, in our view, uh, given police response times can greatly vary for different reasons, right? If you're in the rural area, it might take them a half an hour to actually get to a school.
3: That's right. We
6: know every second matters in saving lives. This just gives us one more tool to protect our kids, as you say, our most precious resource, right? We guard banks. We guard politicians. You know, we guard court buildings. Why would we not want to protect our our, our kids in the school? Um,
3: the, the follow-up on that, uh, Rob Sexton, is that uh, they say the 24 hours is the issue. A lot of people who oppose this, who call it madness, in fact, is that uh, a staffer who wants to carry a firearm in the schools to protect the kids only need get 24 hours of training and then eight additional hours per year for recertification. Is 24 hours long enough for a teacher uh, to prepare to be able to handle a school shooting and defend kids, a teacher or a staffer or somebody else who is, you know, of a mind to volunteer for this?
6: Yeah, I think it is enough. In fact, prior to a terrible Ohio Supreme Court decision, this kind of program was already operating in Ohio, uh, in fact, many schools had sent their staff to a training like this. There's one available called Faster Stays Lives, for example, uh, and the training is, I believe, around 20 and maybe 28 hours total. Uh, and they do, they do live fire. They do active shooter training. They do moving targets, the whole nine yards. And I think the last time I heard there were more than 3,000 people had been through that program in Ohio, and it is adequate. And I think – The balance point that we have to have is this. We have to have training that is definitely enough, but we also have to make sure that we don't make it so much that teachers just don't have the time to take it, right? So if if those who would want to take our guns away say they'd like to have, you know, 150 hours of training that came up in the committee several times, they want 150 hours of training, and I called them out on it. I said, you know, what you're really saying is you don't want the program. I don't know any teachers who have 150 uh, spare hours to take that training. And so instead, you're going to wind up with soft-target schools again, which is exactly what this bill is trying to eliminate.
3: Super quick follow-up to all of that, Um, noting that school boards have to opt in, and then once school boards opt in, you actually have to have volunteers in the buildings who, who are willing to do this. If there are school districts that do not opt in, or if they do but no one in the building is willing to do this, do you believe that we need to just get federal dollars allocated to the states to be allocated to the districts to put someone who is a, a train, who is not a staffer but somebody who is trained, you know, an off-duty police officer, a retired police officer, a retired military, whatever the case might be, put money there to hire and train? And 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 employ uh, armed security officers in in what do we have 137,000 I think schools nationally K through 12. Isn't that what we should do?
6: Well, it's certainly an option. The question is, you know, is are the funds available to do that type of thing? And you know, one thing we've learned. They're always available,
3: it's a matter of choice, though, right? I mean, if you look at all of the money that the federal government wastes on things outside of this country, I don't know if I can think of too many things as important as, hey, we're going to protect our schools now let's 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 pony up the dough
6: well absolutely yeah i mean i I would consider it a high priority, uh but then they'd have to follow through and, and make it a meaningful program. and what I mean by that is you know if you we, we all remember the shooting down in Florida, Parkland, yeah, I mean, they have one resource officer. And it is a gigantic campus of a school, right. so if, they're, if the government's really interested in funding this, you know they're going to have to be multiple police officers in every school. And so we're talking about a big chunk of change now. Well, you know, point. there there
3: may be, and and you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a large school with all, uh, you know multiple points of entry, I agree. But I I'm I'm a big believer in the single point of entry, but multiple points of egress. You can get out, so you're not, of course, creating a fire hazard a lot of different places. But there's only one place to enter, and that is where every single person who comes through that comes through that door is going to be uh, is going to be known. And of course, if somebody is perceived to be a threat by the uh, by the officer in charge there, uh, then obviously they can take whatever actions they have to before bullets start flying i think there are a lot of things that can happen here uh outside of just arming staffers i think that have to happen including you know limiting the number of entry points so you can have kids slipping into side doors or having another door opened for them by a co-conspirator inside that kind of thing right
6: no i totally agree in fact this past week uh, i was talking to a man who's actually from england and he said, you know, everybody wants to point to our, our firearms restrictions. He said, our schools are hard compared to American schools. They have, they're surrounded by 10-foot fences. You have to be buzzed to actually get on the grounds. Once you're on the grounds, you have to be buzzed to enter the building. To your point, there's one point of entry to get in. And then he said this, even on the exit doors, there are loud alarms that go off every time they're opened up. And if they are, but, you know, there, there are cameras on those doors. And so, right. you know, there, there needs to be money spent on making all of these buildings a hard place to get into. And I think in America we've just gotten so used to treating them like, you know, the local rec center that anybody can come to. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's true in the evenings. But when the kids are there for school, those places need to be secure.
3: Yeah, and sadly, the President of the United States uh, had his press secretary say state earlier this week that he is opposed to the idea of hardening schools. That's simply incomprehensible. Rob Sexton, uh, Legislative Director of the, Ohio, uh, uh, excuse me, the Buckeye Firearms Association. Rob, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate you.
6: Thanks, Bob. It was great to be with you.
3: 9.59, time out and uh, heading to news on AM 1420 The Answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio. Online at alwaysright.us. Make sure you check it out for the leading news and views of the day. Uh, it's always updated. And you know what you're going to find at the top of the page at alwaysright.us right now is a link to uh, get your tickets for our WHK 100th anniversary celebration that's coming up in, uh, what, 18 days. It's on the 21st. It's going to be at Harry Buffalo in North Olmstead. Going to have great music. Uh, Beatle cover band, Top Dog going to be there. Johnny Hiles and Friends and a company of friends going to be opening up for uh, for that show. Uh, VIP tickets will get you a uh, tremendous buffet dinner. You'll have drink tickets. You'll get a whiskey tasting flight, cigars. Uh, be able to hang out and talk with myself and Tom Kelly about whatever is on your mind. Special menu available to you as well. Uh, general admission tickets. You get that buffet and two drink tickets. Doors open for VIP at 430 that day. General admission, 6 o'clock. Music begins at 7 o'clock as we celebrate 100 years of Heritage Radio in, uh, in in Ohio. I mean, it's the oldest radio station that you're listening to right now in the state. It literally turned its signal on 100 years ago, and we're celebrating. And we want you to celebrate, too, by fighting back against cancel culture because we were canceled. And, and just a little FYI, um, some people brought it to our attention that the link that we had on the webpage yesterday did not take you to the place to buy tickets for the event at Harry Buffalo. There was a cross-up, cross-up uh, between a couple of other sites. We were canceled by the original venue we were going to use in downtown Cleveland. We wanted to be central, so people from the east side, west side, down from you know, Summit County, even the south, or wherever you're coming from might be a little easier, so we were doing it in downtown uh, Cleveland. And uh, as I told you yesterday, the venue that we had uh, worked on a contractual, contractual agreement with uh, backed out because somebody, they claim, looked at our website and decided they don't like our politics and their clients wouldn't like being associated with somebody that, that uh, uh, has our politics. This particular venue just happens to be, I don't know, I just run by a bunch of nuts, I guess. I don't know how to say it. They're holding drag bingo time. They're doing... Um, little mermen uh disney type shows in other words they're just a radical out there kind of a place that i didn't even know about uh and they don't like well they don't like i guess what whk am 1420 the answer stands for you know which is things like family and things like wholesome fun and things like uh the constitution and and liberty and so forth these things were all just foreign to them so they decided to ghost us and eventually uh broke the contract so you know, whatever happens, happens uh, to them. You know, I, I'm not going to say who they are. I mean, they're just a place that does music, and they usually do it in a box, I guess. Uh, that's all I know. And they like supper there, I think, too. It's kind of, kind of a neat club. So, yeah, um, that's just uh, that's just what's happening is um, we got canceled by them because they don't like our politics, even though this is not a political event. It's a celebration of all things WHK in 100 years of it. So uh, that's why as soon as we uh, had our little run-in with them, we said we need somebody who is going to be a supporter of what we do and who we are, and Tony George and Harry Buffalo stepped up in seconds and said, I'm in. Bring it here. So we're bringing it there. Uh, Might be a little tougher get as far as uh, you know if you're an eastsider coming out to North Olmstead, but it'll be worth the drive. I promise you we'll make it worth your time. Uh, So get those tickets now. The uh, link has been repaired. It goes right to the purchase of the tickets for the event at Harry Buffalo. So it's June 21st. Get them now whkradio.com whkradio.com At both places, we spent hours with hundreds of family
4: members who were broken whose lives will never be the same. They had one message for all of us. Do something. Just
3: do something. Just do something. It doesn't matter if it works or not. You Just be able to say that you did something. Well, last night, President Joe Let's Go Brandon uh, announced his something, and his something was essentially a full-on frontal assault on the Second Amendment, a full-on we're taking your guns away from you even while telling you that we're not. That is that is exactly what he announced last night. Um, a quick clip here from, uh, uh, I think this is from, it's not Tucker. Oh, it's a Jesse Water show. I apologize. I was, I was trying to figure out uh, exactly where this came from. Uh, on Jesse Water's show last night, the Federalist uh, decided to call this what it is. Joe Biden's speech last night was impeachable.
4: And
6: it Very much with his speech tonight,
3: unsurprisingly.
6: Molly, do you agree with that? Do you think he hurt his chances with Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats getting a gun deal together? He
7: showed that this was for him a partisan political approach. Uh, Do something is not a serious policy, but the actual policies that he listed are extremely troubling. I think it's comforting for simple-minded people to think that restricting the natural right to keep and bear arms would solve all of our problems, that destroying the Constitution would solve our problems. That is not true, and we have a natural right Of self-defense and to guard against tyranny in the Second Amendment. This is something that makes us American and Joe Biden showed that he does not respect the Constitution. He does not support this natural right. That really is an impeachable offense to talk this way against something so foundational to the country.
3: It is foundational to the country. It was literally in the foundation upon which this country was built, the Constitution. So Molly Hemingway from The Federalist, that was on Jesse Waters' show. I almost gave Tucker credit for that one, but that was obviously Jesse Waters. So he ran down around eight different things that he wants to do, none of which are going to solve anything in terms of crime, violent crime. Guns are not used for illegal purposes by law-abiding gun owners. Guns are used for illegal purposes by criminals. Criminals, by their very definition, don't obey gun laws or any other laws for that matter. So I welcome your thoughts at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Let's go to Chuck, or I'm sorry, uh, let me refresh here. It's Bob who is up next in Medina. Hey, Bob, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, fire away. Thanks
2: for kicking my call, no Bob. Pun in, no
3: pun, no pun intended. By
2: the way, <laughs> hey, listen real quick before I forget. Quick shout out for your belated ha- uh, anniversary. If you oh, don't know you. it, Jud- yeah. Judge Janine uh birthday was yesterday, as well as myself. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Oh, happy same.
3: birthday,
2: belated. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, and as far as these guns and all of this conversation going on, I mean, really, it comes down to revamping our our judicial. System, and when you when these guys get get busted for guns, whatever it may be, attempted robbery, robbery, assault, any man, they gotta lock these guys up, and I mean keep them. there these are the guys that belong in jail. But again, it takes a revamping of our judicial system, which is in itself. You know, almost, uh, you know, an impossible task. But heard a real quick interview with Well, well, before
3: you go on, you know, I I don't think it takes a revamping. It just takes a return to. It's not like we haven't had it before. You know, we have had violent crime under control before when we actually did make people afraid of going to prison for a very long time. But now... Exactly. Now, now, particularly because of you know this movement toward equity in the criminal justice system, there are individuals who just have no fear whatsoever. They feel like they're going to get a light sentence if they get anything at all. They're going to get a no cash bail. They're going to be set free again. All of these things are easily reversible. Just go back to the way things were before this woke um, nonsense in you know infiltrated our criminal justice system. Um, but, but like I said, there's too many people who look at it from the, through the vantage point of identity, meaning, uh, you know, uh, racial identity, uh, and, and, and other things that, you know, with the diversity, inclusion and equity movement, uh, they, they just don't want to have a certain, uh, population overrepresented in the prison population. And so they don't do it. We could fix it. We're choosing not to go ahead. Okay.
2: Uh, also gotta go back, uh, P- you know, gotta go back to uh, Sunday Bible school. David and Goliath. Now you tell me that if some guy tried to enter into the school and got through all of the barriers getting inside the school, but yet he was no somebody was no you you tell me you know fifteen sixteen or seventeen year old shot you know crack shot is not going to blast that guy right between the eyes with a slingshot and maybe something like a round heavy marble that would work Bob because you know what I used to have a slingshot back in the day when I was a kid and Man, I was. Then- I got to make
3: sure. I got to make sure you you are being tongue in cheek about this, right? You don't really plan to combat a shooter with a rock.
2: Well, you know what? If he, if they don't see you, I mean, that's one. That's just maybe tongue in cheek. Right? I hope so. Like I say, because uh, no, we don't. No. We don't.
3: We we can't combat firearms with sticks and stones. We mm. can't be slingshotting a, a, a rock at somebody between the eyes. I mean, you know, look, this is not. This is not Bible I, times, you know. Uh, I we, would
2: say that would be kind of like the last line of defense, you know, all the yeah, other ones. I mean, you might as well just,
3: you might as well throw your textbooks at them, you know I mean, you uh-huh. know, which, which, well, by the way, is kind of, yeah, no, no, look, no, no, look, 20 the, 20 Bob, 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 what I'm trying to say is it, very simply here, the only defense against a firearm is a firearm. That's why good guys don't show up with rocks and sticks. Good guys show up with guns to deal with bad guys with guns. And quite frankly, good guys show up with guns to deal with bad guys with knives or bad guys with clubs or any other weapons that they're using to harm people with. And the reason why, it's the safest way to preserve life. Firing bullets enables you to stop somebody from a distance rather than having to get up with, uh, you know, within their reach and engage in hand-to-hand combat with them and their knife or their club or their whatever, uh, and particularly, of course, if they have a gun as well. So um, I don't want to get into the business, and thank you for the call, Bob. I appreciate it, and also the nice words. I don't want to get into the business of saying that we don't need guns to combat shooters because we absolutely do. We absolutely do. You're not taking somebody down by throwing a rock at their head. All right? It's just, I mean, let's just be real here. Um, Good guys with guns. No matter how many times the left wants to tell you there's no such thing as a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun because we see examples of it all around the world every day. Every time there's a shooting situation, a mass shooter, an active shooter, or something like that, how do those shootings end? I I feel like I'm a broken record here, and I apologize for that, but how do those shootings end? Every time they end when guns show up to shoot back. The guns show up to shoot back at the bad guy. The bad guy either gets hit by one of them and dies, or he knows he's about to die, so he kills himself, or he throws his hands in the air and drops his weapon. Because he knows he's about to get shot. That's when the bad guy shooting spree ends. Not most of the time. All of the time. Every time. Whether it takes five seconds or five minutes or an hour in Uvalde to get through a door. That's when it gets done. When guns show up. Not when peace shooters show up. Not when slingshots show up. Uh, Let's go to uh, BJ next. Uh, BJ in Cleveland. Hi BJ, go ahead sir.
8: Thank you, Bob. I'm going to uh, uh, state something that seems rather peculiar at first hearing, but when the president was speaking yesterday about all these beautiful children that have been murdered in schools and all that, this is the party that's concerned about over a billion people that have died as a result since the time abortion started. And when I say a billion people, some of those babies that were aborted 50 years ago and up to the present time would have had children and grandchildren. Future generations were eradicated. The number of people that have been killed and never are going to enjoy life because their ancestors were destroyed at an earlier age with abortion. And this man is trying to convince us he's concerned about the shootings of children in school. The, The irony of this is beyond my comprehension, that you can kill millions of babies and generations that would have come from them and want to go on about removing guns from people. There's something going screwy with the thinking in, in not only political mind, but in, in the general mind of the population. We've got to get down to some practical, practical thinking about reality and what we're talking about. Killing is killing. Murdering our own is murdering our own. And I've said on your program, the next generation to be wiped out because they're not necessary are seniors that are nonproductive or laying in beds in nursing homes. This, is a, this, is a, this killing attitude of, of humans against other humans has got to be shaken up and made more aware of. And I thank you for your time, and thank you for listening, Bob. Thank
3: you, thank you BJ. Uh, I would only take issue with one thing that BJ said there is when he said that it's irony. I don't think it's irony. I think it's hypocrisy. To say that um, we want to save the children, save the children, save the children. we got to pass laws, disarm lawful people who are no threat to children to save the children, save the children. And yet these are the people who literally a week ago was saying abortion at any time for any reason, unapologetic, all the way up to the moment of birth, maybe even after the birth. Kill the children, kill the children. If mom wants to kill the children, it's her decision. Which way is it? That's not irony. It's hypocrisy. Uh, thank you, BJ. Quick time out. 1024. Right back. Okay, 1028, let's get a few more phone calls in here before the bottom bottom of the hour. Dr. Naomi Wolf going to be joining me after the bottom of the hour to talk about, uh, well, what happened to our freedom in this country. Uh, COVID happened and COVID response happened. We'll get into that with her. Right now, though, uh, Nancy in Cleveland is next. Hi, Nancy. Go right ahead.
5: Hi, Bob. Everybody's talking about, oh, we should have done this. We should have done this. But the first line of defense is actually prevention, and that starts with the parents. We need more help for parents who have troubled children so they have a place to go to so the kids don't go off to the deep end and do things like that. And then a second line of prevention are the kids themselves. I don't know about you, but, you know, there are creepy kids we've all known in school, but they're harmless. But when your gut makes you afraid of somebody, then you know that that is a problem person and these kids should be trained to first tell their parents and then let the school system know that we think that there's a problem. And especially when they see his uh, website. What's wrong with these kids that they're not reporting this so that this don't happen? This has been going on since
3: Columbine. Well, the real frustrating thing about it, and thank you for the call, Nancy, is that in the case of the Uvalde shooter, Ramos, uh, he um uh, Uh, He apparently was known to the school, to the school counselors and therapists and so on and so forth, that he had been talked to before. And, in fact, according to a state representative down there, uh, Tony Gonzalez, or congressman, rather, Uh, Tony Gonzalez, he said uh, they they knew about a writing that he did when he was a freshman about how he was going to shoot up a school when he was a senior in the year 2022. Now, again, I've heard that directly from the mouth of a member of Congress, but I haven't seen it verified or confirmed anywhere else. So if I can get it corroborated, I would like to know that. But it seems like they did know about this kid. Um, And and again, they didn't do anything to stop him And whatever needed to be done to stop him from buying weapons too wasn't done so uh that is all a very valid question and a point that you make uh real quick from joe in westlake before we get to our interview hey joe go ahead hi bob there's a question it's obvious that uh keeping guns away from teachers not letting them have guns is is the problem so another question is why does our professional class oppose that and i think the answer is they understand that When working class people get to arm themselves, that's another way they're supporting their own security and lives. They don't like that. They want the state to run every aspect of our lives. So we need to run our own security. We need to start our own businesses. We need to find a way to build an economy outside of the corporate dominance. And thank you for having Naomi on. Thank you. You got it. And thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. And I don't disagree with you. The problem is when it comes to public areas like school buildings – uh, owning our own private security businesses won't help because they won't contract with us. They don't want them in there for all of the reasons you correctly identified. Time out now for news. Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf will join us next on AM fourteen twenty. The Answer.
0: you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz and the answer.
3: 1039 Always Right Radio is online at alwaysright.us. Appreciate you being with us this morning. Don't forget we got Christina Hagan, a former Ohio State rep, currently on the Ohio Elections Commission, coming up at uh, 1110. But I want to talk now. Uh, with a very special guest who's got a very special and important book out. The book is called The Bodies of Others, subtitled The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. Dr. Naomi Wolf is also the co-founder and CEO of DailyClout.io, which is a successful civic tech company. I enjoyed about an hour's worth of conversation that I heard yesterday with Doctor Wolf and uh, Dennis Prager, and I'm looking forward to just a small slice of that right now as she joins us on AM 1420, The Answer. Doctor Wolf, thank you so much for the time. How are you?
9: I'm good, thank you for having me, and please call me Naomi.
3: <laughs> Naomi, well, thank you for that, and uh, boy, I, I really did. Uh, you know, uh, Dennis is, uh, of course, Dennis Prager's program is on our on our airwaves. As a matter of fact, I am a regular fill-in for Dennis. I enjoyed everything that I heard yesterday. Your transition, before we get to the book and the specifics of of, of what you researched, your transition uh, has been eye opening. You know, and 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 as I heard you talking to Dennis about who the true totalitarians are and the new authoritarians that you talk about. Um, they they are almost exclusively, not exclusively, but almost exclusively left of center on the ideological scale. The place where you have lived for most of your adult life, until you started kind of seeing things a little bit differently as a result of COVID. Can you speak again? Th- we don't have an hour like Dennis gave you, but but, but can you give me a thumbnail sketch version of uh, of your conversion, if you will, to a different way of thinking?
9: Uh, yeah, but I would gently. Uh push back against your characterization, just okay. as I gently pushed back against Mr. Prager's.
3: You did. Um, I
9: don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've changed. I, You know, I, I, I've been a, a strict constitutionalist since 2008, when I first wrote The End of America during the Bush era, which warns that we could lose our liberties here in America if we weren't careful, and that uh, tyrants on the left or on the right always do the same 10 things. So with this book, The Bodies of Others, it happens that the people who are, you know, indeed, you know, as you say, the people right now who are the tip of the spear in um, exploiting the pandemic to uh, strip us of our liberties here in America, to lock us in our homes in a way that turned out has no medical value and caused all kinds of harms, to mask our children in a way that's driving down their uh, IQ points by 21 points on average, according to a Brown University study, to crush small businesses, to crush middle class, you know, by choosing essential and non-essential businesses during lockdown, all those people, you know, that was Biden administration for the most part, and primarily blue states with Democratic governors. And I've traveled across this country and I've seen how Democratic governors and state legislators are weirdly, rigidly uh, sticking to this of um, relentless lockdown, COVID nonsense, taking the money, uh, you know, ruining our kids' school education, and so on. So yes, I'm, I'm calling them out for sure. But I, I don't want people to be short-sighted or um, nearsighted about the, the scale of the enemy that we are facing right now. Because if you look globally, it's not a left-wing thing at all. It, it transcends left and right. If you look at Canada, it's a liberal tyrant who declared martial law Justin Trudeau because people were lawfully protesting in trucks in Ontario. Um, If you look at Britain, it's a conservative, Boris Johnson and a Tory party that enforced lockdowns even more rigid than ours and is reading from exactly the same World Economic Forum script. If you look at um, Australia, where people are being kept in quarantine camps against their will, if they're suspected of a COVID infection and they're being chased with, you know, by armed guards if they try to escape, you know, that's a conservative uh, administration until very recently, Scott Morrison's administration. And if you look in New Zealand, where it's the same script and, you know, an equally tyrannical regime, um, that's Jacinta Ardern, who's on the progressive side. So this script is coming straight from the World Economic Forum. It's being implemented by uh, big tech companies. China has a a major role in enforcing it and subverting Western values and Western culture and civilization. Um, And the goal is nothing short, as I argue in my book, Bodies of Others, which is being censored by Amazon, even as we speak, even though it's number five on Amazon, they're trying to keep people from ordering it. Um, But, you know, as I argue, the goal of these these allies right now is it's not partisan. It's not to get left or right in power. It's to create a post-humane world in which. Um, a few oligarchs and tech companies are in power, and the CCP is in power, and we're we're begging permission of these entities to even engage in you know what had been human community and culture.
3: We are talking with uh, Naomi Wolf, uh, whose whose new book is is terrific and very important. The Bodies of Others, the New Authoritarians, COVID nineteen, and the War Against the Human. If I may just. I want to push back a little bit on your pushback to point out something that, that you talked about with Dennis yesterday, because I do get your point when you when you go around the world. First of all, I don't think American conservatives are synonymous with conservatives as they describe themselves in other countries. I think there is something mm. constitutional here that is different than in other places. But, yeah. but more, more specifically, when Dennis asked you something that you know you can follow up on here, too, and and that is all of the, the the glowing praise for your book, on your book jacket, um, which is by no one on the American left. Um, mm-hmm. And the American left uh, is not praising this. As a matter of fact, Amazon is not typically in the habit of censoring left-wing-driven books. Uh, they do right. this to conservatives all, conservatives all the time. So while you say you haven't changed, I think the people that maybe you you used to associate with or used to – uh, have your views aligned with? They certainly think you've changed because they're not praising <laughs> you; they're canceling you; they're trying to shut you down. And so That's something true. is something is different, right? Yeah. Well,
9: I'll will t- totally give you that. I mean, the people who want to hear a discussion about the Constitution overwhelmingly right now are not the left. Um, they're they, as you point out, I was canceled from all five nature social media platforms for doing accurate reporting with primary source documents of these COVID narratives. And um, it is true. And I'm I'm grateful, as I said yesterday on Mr. Prager's show, I'm super grateful for all my new friends on the right. So I'll give you that. Um, It is conservatives right now and libertarians who are the only ones who are having this conversation um, about, about these important issues. And, you know, and some, some liberals who are as horrified as I am at, at, you know, the the Marxist takeover of the DNC and the Biden administration. Um, But uh, I guess what I would also say to push back against your pushback with my pushback is that my my wonderful new friends um, are at the grassroots level, or, you know, the kinds of people that you are, you know, engaging with these ideas. Uh, But Republicans in the House and Senate haven't, shown much leadership on these issues at all. And Mm -hmm. they take the money from Pharma and they, you know, uh, 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 Massachusetts, where my stepson is a a student, that's a conservative, that's a Republican governor. And he kept the mask on children. You know, my stepson wore a mask and now I can barely understand what 10 year olds in Massachusetts are saying. You know, they can barely understand each other. Um, That was that was a Republican governor. And, you know, so there's money flowing To to all sides of the aisle, and that's how China operates, right? And that's how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation operates. Uh, And 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 you know, your team as well as mine at the leadership level is taking the money and and crushing, crushing our kids. Um, You know, there's a guy in my book, The Bodies of Others, named Paul uh, Damico, and he he has a restaurant called um, Massimino's in Boston. And his dad founded the restaurant, you know, a hardworking immigrant family. It's a it's a a, a beloved institution in Boston. Um, And I interviewed him when he was desperately trying to find a way to to keep 20 families of his workers fed when he wasn't even allowed to open his doors and. When, you know, then the Board of Health said you can have 10 people, you can have 50 people, you can have 20 people changing all the time, just harassing him, basically. And he was desperate. Um, This is a Republican governor. They're supposed to be pro-business. So there's there's plenty of of blame to be shared across the political spectrum. But, yes, at a grassroots level, you know, I do believe conservatives are, are going to and libertarians are going to save America, and, and then we can go on and help save the rest of the world.
3: I think that's very well said, and I think it ought to be in that order here, quite frankly, in the United States. Yeah, um, it, you know That's what America first means, and yeah. that's, that's something that conservatives yeah. believe in. We're talking with Dr. Yeah. Naomi Wolf, whose book, The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human, uh, is a very important one. I, I, I read a, a pretty interesting description about you and your team of 2,500 volunteers who did all this research. You had people in medicine, medical fraud, biology, law, you analyzed all. all. All of the documents that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration got from Pfizer to determine Mm. that their shots were suitable for use in in American adults. And reading from Mm. the New American uh, and reviewing your book, and I think an interview with you, the FDA was fully aware of both the lack of efficacy of the shot and all of the terrible side effects that they may cause. And they did not stop this from the emergency authorization anyway. And then, of course, as we know, eventually giving it full approval. Um, th- this is something that the American people are not supposed to know, and it's one of the reasons why your book and why you have been canceled, because you're presenting these facts to the American people. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about what you, what response you got when you did all of this research, when you guys read through these thousands of pages and found the truth uh, that you're trying to share with the American people?
9: Sure. Uh, it's such an important effort, and I just want to stress that I'm not I'm not doing any of the work. It's all these highly credentialed, um, as you said, uh, physicians and RNs, biostatisticians, lab clinicians, uh, medical fraud investigators reading through these documents released under court order and issuing reports, and an incredible program to, uh, manager, Amy Kelly, coordinating it all. Massive undertaking. Um, well, they've found, I mean, I could talk to you for hours about the harms that they've found, uh, that indeed the FDA didn't just turn a blind eye to, but colluded in covering up. It was the FDA and not Pfizer that asked the court to keep these papers under wraps for 75 years till we were dead and gone. So the FDA knew and Pfizer knew in, in December of 2020 that the vaccines didn't work. They were, they had three categories. Uh, waning in efficacy vaccine failure and that one of the side effects of of being vaccinated was covid um so they knew a month into the rollout that they didn't work but you and your families weren't told that there was waning efficacy till april of the next year when studies came out of israel and then oh time for a booster you know campaign um they knew in may of 2021 that 35 teens had sustained heart damage a week after being injected with the mRNA vaccines. Uh, but the, the EUA for teens went ahead in in June of that year, a month later, and parents were not told till August of 2021, after thousands of teens were injected, that it caused myocarditis and pericarditis, which is permanent in, in teenagers. Um, and, and teenagers, you know, as I describe at the end of my book, they're dropping dead. They're dying in their sleep. So, um, Pfizer and the FDA knew that the uh, injection materials, the spike protein, which is toxic, the uh, lipid nanoparticles, which are tiny, hard, fatty casings, um, and the mRNA don't stay in the deltoid, even though all the models and doctors assured you that it stayed in the deltoid. It goes within 48 hours into the bloodstream and lodges in the liver, the spleen, the adrenals, and if you're and the lymph, and if you're a woman, in the ovaries. So... Um, so I could go on and on, but I want to fast forward the most important finding of all, which is on IO as all these reports are, and that's that there's a baby die-off. Um, there, were, there were scores of babies that died to vaccinated mothers in the Pfizer document. In one baby, nursing a vaccinated mother died with an inflamed liver. And, of course, kids are suffering liver, hepatitis-type symptoms now, liver problems, which never happened before. Um, and... Pfizer hid or lost the records of 230 pregnant women. Uh, so we don't know the outcome of what happened to them. But of 36 pregnant vaccinated women, 28 of their babies died. 28 of 36 of the pregnant women's babies died in the Pfizer documents. We know the mechanism. Um, we know that no pregnant women were studied before the EUA was issued saying it was safe and effective for pregnant women and their babies. We know that the assurances were based on 44 French rats that were followed for 42 days. The mother rats weren't even allowed to bring their babies to term. The baby fetuses, the rat fetuses were autopsied. And then the vaccine was declared safe and effective for human women and their babies. And the scientists who ran that study were employees or shareholders in Pfizer or BioNTech, which is the subsidiary of Pfizer, the mix of vaccines. Um, the researchers found the mechanism, which is the lipid nanoparticles, these tiny hard fatty casings, they're designed to cross the blood-brain barrier. So it turns out that they cross every membrane in the human body, and that includes the placenta. Uh, and doctors assured women in these commercials the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology assured women that, you know, the mRNA vaccine couldn't affect their baby. These lipid nanoparticles go right into the amniotic fluid, you know, the, the environment this baby is is growing in. And um, also polyethylene glycol uh, is a petroleum byproduct. It's in the vaccines. And an NIH study confirmed, which is predictable, right, because breast milk is made from blood and lymph or built up from blood and lymph, um, a new study has shown that the polyethylene glycol is in breast milk of vaccinated women. And it confirmed that babies are having gastric intestinal distress, agitation, sleeplessness, failure to thrive. Um, But if I may jump
3: in, if I may jump in because of the interest of time, because I know you could go on with some of these just horrific findings and and revelations for a long time. And my blood pressure would just get higher and higher and higher as I sat here and listened. Um, The fact that these corporations were able to, particularly Pfizer and BioNTech, were able to mask and hide and shield all of this information from the people um, while getting the CDC to disparage their own VAERS reporting system in which some of the adverse events that you're talking about right now were indeed... um, uh, recorded in the VARES reporting system. Now, this is a system run by the CDC, but which was decried by the CDC because it isn't controlled because anybody can can make whatever um, uh, reports of of their adverse events or, uh, events uh, uh, you know as as they wish. Um, what I what I'm failing to understand is how on earth this was made mandatory, Naomi Wolf. Because it's one thing yeah. if these things are known to people, and despite the knowledge of the potential for all of these things, to adults, to babies, to, to, to pregnant mothers, etc., if people choose, I'm really afraid of COVID, I still want to take this shot, okay. But the That's idea it. that the government would mandate something with this many red flags, this many potential right. uh, you know, adverse health effects is something that I think is, well, it's the reason why I think your book is out.
9: Yeah, I mean that you're asking the essential question, and sorry if I went on a detour. I'm just so horrified at, at what I found, and I want people to know. Yeah. Um, and it culminated, I should say, in in, a, in a, what I call a baby die-off. There's spikes, terrible spikes, in babies, of vaccinated mothers dying in Canada, Scotland, and Israel. Uh, so what? How could this happen? Well, um, I, you know, having worked, been a White House spouse, and having worked on two presidential and campaigns, I can tell you that it couldn't have happened without the White House knowledge. You know, it can't, because the FDA would have been burning up too much political capital to have done it without the, the White House's knowledge and consent. Um, because this is murder, you know, it's mass murder, um, and a mass naming, mass harming. And, and again, they knew. Uh, and so I can see in maybe December 2020, uh, when the first signals are coming in, oh, I didn't know, we didn't know. Uh, you know, really sorry for these harms, let's pull this off the market. But it's now, you know, a year and a half later. And they're not just continuing uh, to coerce people into being injected and marketing this product illegally, according to our lawyers. But they're also trying to push pregnant women to get it. And they're trying to get an EUA for under five down to infants, you know, knowing that these babies are dying. So I have a answer and a metaphysical answer for you. And the political one is, I believe we're under attack. There's no other way to explain this, especially the man- mandating of these injections to our armed forces. Um, they knew they would harm the armed forces. They knew they would cause death and pregnancy problems and neurological problems and strokes and a heart attacks. They knew it. Um, so reporting I've done shows a lot of significant crossover between BioNTech and China, and um, a partnership with a senior member of the Chinese Communist Party's uh, pharmaceutical company, Fosun Pharmaceuticals, and the SEC filings for BioNTech show a transfer of the IP, of the tech, 100% transfer to China at the end of 2021. So, you know, looking at the open borders, you know, fighting age men streaming in, looking at the food disruptions. The cyber disruptions, the energy disruptions, looking at the uh, subversion of our kids, you know, education um, and what I think is a hostage administration. I think they're hostage to China due to money that Hunter Biden took from China. Um, I believe I believe that this is a, a, you know, I think we're under attack. I think the the vaccine is is being, you
3: know. Weapon- a bioweapon, um, a bioweapon. No, it, I think that I, let's just say what it is. It is a bioweapon. And I agree with you. And then and the attacker is is a globalist one. It is. A, it is a right. global attack. It is not simply limited to, as you pointed out in the very beginning. Uh, anybody in a particular party in this country. This is a much, much larger issue. Dr. Naomi Wolf, author of The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19, and the War Against the Human. Uh, you've got to get this uh, defy-the-cancel culture that is trying to stop you from getting it. Dr. Wolf, uh, where can people buy it since Amazon is canceling you?
9: Thank you. Please go to allseasonspress.com, and you can order it directly from my public publisher. You can go to bookshop.org, or you can go to dailyclout.io or your local bookstore. Just walk right in. Also perfect,
3: perfect. Dr. Wolf. I wish I had more time because uh, I could listen to this again uh, for a very long time, and I'm sure everyone else can too. The other thing we can do is read about it in your book. I'll encourage everyone to do that, and I thank you thank so you. very much for your time this morning. Thank you so much. You. It's the 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going right to the news, and we're coming right back on Always Right Radio AM 1420. The so Hour number three underway now, 11 minutes past 11 o'clock. A little late getting back in because we were a little late going out. Terrific, terrific conversation with Naomi Wolf. Um, You've got to read that book. You've got to read that book, and you've got to understand exactly what was done to us because it is continuing to be done until we find a way to step up and stop it. So uh, thank you to Naomi Wolf for joining me in the uh, second hour of the program. Uh, also had a great conversation on the first hour of the program with Rob Sexton from the Buckeye Firearms Association uh, about uh, Biden's gun grab last night. We're going to talk about maybe a little bit of uh, both of those things uh, in addition to a few others with our next guest. As we welcome Christina Hagen back to our program. She's our regular Friday commentator, former Ohio State representative, current member of the Ohio Elections Commission. Christina, good to have you back. How are you? Good morning,
7: Bob. I am well. Uh, I am looking forward to connecting here on these issues.
3: So I, um, our anniversary was yesterday, and my wife and I went out to dinner in a movie and saw the, uh, the Pop Gun Maverick movie. And as the first time the truck, my truck, had left my driveway in three days, I find myself not wanting to drive anywhere because I know what it's going to cost me. Every time I take it out, I know that it's going to get a little closer to the E, and I'm going to have to go up there, and I'm going to have to spend an astronomical amount of money. I'm looking at the Bud uh, Gas Buddy app right now. Um, In most of the stations, uh, gas stations near me, I got 479, 479, 477, 475, 477, 479, about nine more times there. This is astounding, Christina. It's changing the way I live my life. I think it's changing the way a lot of people live their lives. And it's not just not driving, because sometimes it's not discretionary. You have to drive, and you have to spend all of that money. And when you do, that money has to come from somewhere, and it's coming from somewhere else in the family budget as well. How long do you think that the American people can – because this isn't going to go down anytime soon. In fact, they're predicting it's going to go over 5 bucks within a couple of weeks. It's four seventy nine now. How long can the American people survive like this, Christina Hagan?
7: You know, it will be interesting to see how long it takes um, just for the frustration and anger um, to mount up to the point of protests and just relenting back at this government that is not advocating for us as American families, as parents, as working people. Um, They clearly have a stern disconnectedness to reality. I mean, you think about even the formula shortage. You know, countries all over the world have shelves full of formula, and yet moms here are... I'm desperately losing sleep and um, feeling hopeless of how they're going to get their children fed and 90% of our stock is gone and they can barely make it to the grocery store because of the gas prices. Uh, You know, my husband and I are both full-time workers raising three little kids and we've made the decision and had to have the tough conversation um, with my boss where he exuded grace that I need to work remotely over the summer um, because filling up our vehicle is costing us 115, $125 once a week. And people say, oh, well, sell your big vehicle. How do you fit three car seats and the groceries it takes to feed a family in a vehicle that's any smaller? And so we, we're looking at, oh, okay, so can we, can we buy this used vehicle off my brother that doesn't have air conditioning? Can I drive it on the days I do make the hour and a half commute to and from work? Um, it's it's ridiculous and people certainly are feeling the weight of it my husband looked at me
3: don't, don't don't gloss over by the way if you do decide well maybe you can get a used vehicle uh, used vehicles are 40 oh. percent higher it's one of the the most impacted by uh inflation by biden inflation is the cost of used cars so you you know you're trying to save money on the gas and how are you gonna do that by buying a more expensive vehicle even if it's a used one you can't do that either
7: it's crazy. What we're paying in gas in this household would cover the mortgage of a home. Think about that. But it's, it's unfathomable that we have the resources that we have in this country, that they're being kept from our people, that we are energy independent about a year ago. You know, how? Or, well, actually, a few years ago now, it's yeah, flying well, for, for, for For eternity. about
3: three and a half years, for about three and a yeah. half years of the Trump, you know, things got kind of uh, started to go south a little bit during the last year of the Trump presidency because of COVID. But yeah, we, we were energy independent. And, and, and before you go on with that train of thought, Christine Hagan, uh, include your response to the Biden administration and the press secretary who, when asked about this this week, said, well, the president is very acutely aware because he knows exactly what you're going through because he's gone through the same thing. Joe Biden has not had to worry about gas bills for probably 50 years. Um, Joe Biden has been in government, uh, number one, but they said he's acutely aware of what Americans are facing and he is doing everything he can about it. What's the plan, he w- she was asked. Well, the plan is to do everything we can about the uh, cost of gasoline. What's the plan? Christina... They have no plan, and I suspect it's because this is what they want. They it's don't want to change it, right?
7: They, they, yeah. I mean, every every structure of our freedom and society they want to destroy and disable. They want to force us into cities. They want to force us into more quartered living. They don't want us to have access to freedom. Um, it's all by design. It always has been. It always will be. And the same person that's waving his finger at us about our – Um, rights to bear arms that are 100 percent absolute by our founders and our Constitution um, in an undebatable way. He's been protected by armed guards and toted around and driven around in gas-guzzling vehicles his entire career longer than I've been alive. And this is, you know, the same person's telling us they're going to fix something. They have no desire, no intention to fix something. In fact, the worse it gets, the better off they are for taking and having complete government control over our lives. No different than Justin Trudeau um, trying to take away the power of the people. We're just uh, a step away from being like Canada and moving in that direction, being like China, being like New Zealand, um, where we have our arms taken away from us and we have no right or ability to even commute on our own terms. This is, it's sickening, but it's the authoritarian um, edict just taking place right in front of our eyes.
3: It is all of those things. We're talking to Christina Hagan, former Ohio State Representative, current member of the Ohio Elections Commission. Christina, you mentioned armed guards uh, surrounding Joe Biden and taxpayers filling his gas tank. Let's talk about the arms. Let's talk about uh, last night's uh, national, nationally televised plea to do something. We have to do something. Whatever it is, we have to do something, even if it makes no difference whatsoever to criminals. Uh, trying to, it's a, it was a full frontal assault on the Second Amendment between, quote-unquote, assault weapons or high-capacity magazines, as he says, red flag laws, storage laws, and so on and so forth, he is going to make it harder than ever before for Americans to own the firearm of their choice for self-defense and, if necessary, for something bigger, as outlined in the Second Amendment. So, Christina, I know you're a gun rights supporter. What was your reaction to what you heard last night?
7: My reaction is, is simple. I can't even listen to this person anymore. They have no interest. And the Constitution, they have no interest in the rights of Americans. Um, their intention is complete and clear. Um, again, they want to strip away our rights as American citizens. They want to force our children into masks. They want to control the narrative of the values that our children learn. They want to take away our ability to protect our homes. And the answer is simply no. It's not happening. Um, even Fauci, you know, said things couldn't happen in America the way they happen in other places, and he knows the only thing. Dividing us from those other countries and how their citizenry was treated in those scenarios was the fact that we sustain and have the right to remain armed as a citizenry. So it's simply a non negotiable, which is why I'm honestly thrilled um, with what I'm seeing in Ohio. The fact that our state legislature has heard and responded to swiftly. You know, all these things, of course, could have been done sooner in years previous. And there were things done in the legislature when I was there to make it adoptable by school boards to allow um, for firearms to be utilized. Um, here they are permitting and reducing the hours and um, making it more feasible for firearms to be had by educators and school systems so, so immediately shifting the dynamic of our children being in an unsafe environment and changing their location. So you know as they're saying, the only thing we can do is take away your guns. Well Heinz are saying actually, ensuring that Ohioans have the right to bear arms is the only thing that makes our kids safe. It's the only thing that changes that target from being soft to being hard. A, a gunman is not going to walk into a building where he knows that there are armed individuals ready to protect the grounds in which they stand. It's the same reason why our homes are safe, because we have the right to remain armed. You know, when they publish where the guns are then they know who to go after and i think the legislature was even smart and not identifying exactly whom those educators would be in the event that the school districts adopt this because right. we certainly don't want to put a target on their back so we want the right to protect our schools um i also saw that they allocated 100 million in the budget um, it's a great start. I, I'm hopeful that the schools will utilize that. With over 600 schools, that's about $166,000 apiece. Surely with today's technology, they can secure the entryways of these locations, have better security, have better oversight of even when a door is opened incidentally, um, and make solid, sound decisions about how we're going to protect our children. And I heard the governor say that he wanted to do more. So these are all things happening in Ohio that are completely against the grain, of the Biden administration, but are heading in the direction of actually doing something about protecting our kids, which is solid.
3: I've got one more topic for you here, and I love the way this was framed in the uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer, or at least on cleveland.com. On the first day of LGBTQ Pride Month, Ohio House passes transgender sports ban. The entire article is talking about how terrible this is, the first day of Pride Month, that uh, that trans girls and women won't be allowed to participate in uh, women's sports. Well, that's because trans girls and women are otherwise known as boys and men. And, of course, they shouldn't be allowed to compete in girls' sports. Um, but, finally, HB61, the saved women's, women's – no, I'm sorry, this is uh, – This is HB 151 that passed 56 to 28 yesterday with every Democrat voting in opposition in the Ohio House. Uh, Quick reaction on that, Christina. First,
7: I just want to applaud Jenna Powell for her tenacity, her dedication, her understanding of the severity of this issue and how um, deeply pervasive it is, not only in Ohio, but across the entire country and for her leadership and recognizing the difference and the need to protect our children. And then... Um, I would give kudos to um, all of the colleagues for stepping up and doing the right thing in this circumstance. It is obvious at this point that young girls, that women, are under attack. Um, it, you know, never again would a trophy be won by a biological woman in any of these standings if she had to compete about uh, compete against her male peer. Um, it's obvious and evident. I, you know, even as recent as yesterday, my little boys, two or three, were saying. Daddy, you're a boy. I'm a boy. Colton's a boy. Josie's a girl. Mommy's a girl, right? Right. And we can't expect professionals in this country to recognize that obvious truth. So the legislature had to step in and protection of our youth and protection of the integrity of competition for females and the protection of integrity of the sport. It is simply wrong to think that any woman, could compete with any man when they, you know, Leah Thomas or whatever you want to call this individual, being the worst and least competitive in the male sports, Yes, yet dominating women's sports and swimming. That is all we need to know. If it were based off of one case alone, that is the case that we need to see. It will never be fair. It will never be equal. And the legislation that was put forward sorts it out accordingly that, Men, biological men, can compete in biological meal sports, or if there's some type of co-ed that is created by that district, God bless them, and I hope they have a great experience. But men should not be competing with girls. And further, we shouldn't be having them in the same locker room. So there's still more to iron out. But I just yeah. want to say thank you to the legislature, legislators who have stood their ground and remained courageous and convicted on these issues because our children are counting on their sanity.
3: Christina Hagan, uh, and you, you better be careful, by the way. Tell your child to watch what, uh, and I couldn't remember which one you said it was, uh, who said that, you know, I'm a girl, Col-, or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Colton. Colton's a boy, mommy's a girl, and so on and so forth. They say that in the wrong place, they're going to be called a bigot. And say that right. in the wrong place, they're going right. to be called a transphobe or a homophobe or a uh, you know or a, you know essentially you're going to, they're, they're going to get canceled before they can even have a chance to get started because that is the kind of thing where you're presuming somebody's uh, sex uh, based on your own outward observations, and you haven't asked them exactly what they feel like inside yet. I know it sounds insane, Christina, but the whole thing is insane, and we all have to now teach our kids a different way to express themselves if they don't want to get themselves in trouble. That is the sad tragedy of the of the situation. Or We're going to keep speaking
7: the truth, Bob. You know,
3: you know we will. Yeah, absolutely right. Christina Hagen, uh, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. We appreciate your time this morning. We'll talk to you again soon next week.
7: Absolutely,
3: God bless Thank you. 1125 we'll take our final time out here, at least for this half hour. We'll come back. I've got phone calls so ready to go at 216 901 945 281 1110 You want to get in dial now. We'll bring you up on the radio. Always right radio. AM 1420 the answer.
0: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France. The answer.
10: I don't think uh, that it's very effective for the children to have people on the other side of the aisle come in and accuse Republicans of being complicit in murder, and that we put our right to kill over others' right to live. To inferred by rhetorical supposed questions who are you here for we must be here for the gunman is an outrage how dare you you think we don't have hearts it's just that when we look at the things that you're doing and you're trying to do to america we've seen the carnage I mean, for heaven's sake, let's let's take example. Democrats control the major cities that have the worst murder rates. That's right. Your ideas have been shown to get people killed. Are you here for the murders, the murderers in Chicago, in Philadelphia, in these other major cities because you're wanting to do nationally what is being done by democrats in those big cities we care about people we care about their lives and lives have been so trivialized we care deeply how dare you how dare you you arrogant people attributing murder to those of us that want to do things to stop it
3: that's Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert yesterday in the House Judiciary Committee. He was passionate, to say the very least. Jim Jordan was much more analytical, was much more fact-based. Well, not that Gomerts weren't facts, but, but uh, just listed all of the lies, the out-of-control lies that the left uh, is responsible for when it comes to their ongoing push to ban the second amendment and to take away your guns i don't have time to get into all of that i'm going to get a phone call in here but really really important stuff you can watch those videos on my web page always chuck is in cleveland next hi chuck go ahead sir hi bob <clears throat> excuse me yes, um I, I listened to uh,
8: dropbox brandon's speech yesterday And everything was guns, 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 guns. guns. Do you know we had over 100,000 people last year die of fentanyl overdoses?
3: Yeah, sure
8: do. And you know who makes it? China. And they ship it to Mexico, and they run it through the border. Now, Memorial Day weekend, three days, the Border Patrol confiscated, get this, 141 pounds of fentanyl, 30 pounds of heroin, and 13 pounds of crystal methamphetamines. Not one word was said in Brandon's speech either about the overdoses or the border.
3: No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right, because his speech last night was specific to guns. And here's what I would say in response. And thank you, Chuck, for the phone call. Everything you just said is true. In fact, I read those stats on the air to one of my guests yesterday or Wednesday, And they're exactly right. And uh, this was just one three-day period. And the Border Patrol chief was proud of it because look at all the things we caught. Look at all the things we stopped from coming into the country. Uh, You mentioned 131 pounds of fentanyl, 26 pounds of heroin, 13 pounds of meth. Um, They had 10 sex offenders, three gang members, one uh, assassination suspect, a fugitive wanted for murder, and three agents were assaulted. All these things happen. And um, the one thing that isn't talked about there is weapons. Since Biden talked about weapons last night, I will, because he was talking about gun control, obviously, I will go ahead and, uh, and and follow up on that and say how many guns are run across the border from Mexico into the United States. How many illegal weapons are coming from out of the country? I played this yesterday. I played the clip from uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano yesterday, which I posted on my social media Uh, who is one of the most notorious hitmen in the history of the mafia, who pointed out, if you go ahead and pass gun control laws and take guns out of the hands of the people, I will always have my gun. You'll never take it out of my hand. Why? Because I'm a criminal. He literally was saying this. Criminals don't listen. We will have our guns, and it will be a lot easier for us to victimize the people we want to victimize if we know they don't have any. He said that very clearly, and he said, "We know you don't understand where we can get them. Not just from other states, where they might not be as ba- uh, the ban might not be as tight." He said, "We'll get them from other countries." I will always have my gun," he said, and he is exactly correct. And so, how about killing? Uh, just since Chuck brought up the border and the deaths from drugs, the deaths that are being imported—it's kind of a weird way to say it, right? But the number of deaths of Americans that are being imported by our poor southern border can not easily be counted. Because the number of people are going to die from all of that fentanyl, all of that heroin, all those things that we're talking about, guns as well. The number of people, it's never going to, we're never going to have a full total of it, but you better believe that it's significant. It is significant, if not outright astronomical, the number of deaths that are imported from the policies of the Brandon administration so as Louis Gohmert said how dare you sit here and accuse us of, of having blood on our hands and being supportive of the murderer and saying we're here to testify or to discuss and question witnesses in this Judiciary Committee hearing uh, on behalf of the murderers how dare you I, I second that because the only people here who are trying to protect kids are the ones who are looking to harden the schools to improve, increase, or if they don't have any at all, to start school security. You do not, repeat, you do not make people safer by taking their defense mechanisms away from them. I don't know why this is so difficult for some people to comprehend, all of them liberals, but that's the reality of the situation. Making people less safe, by the way, does not make criminals less harmful. Making good people helpless will not make bad people harmless. How about that? Have a great weekend, everyone. Let's go, Brandon